Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, all right. I, I love to hear about the life groups and the model and the concept that we're kind of the way we're shifting into doing that. So very cool. I love to see a Baptist man on the mic talking about the Holy Spirit. I love that as well. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, it's something, speaking of elders, Yitzhak kind of had spoken to us about that phase of, of, of doing the life groups in maybe a different way and bringing the family into the reality of that communion, that koinonia that, that really um, has been, like Anthony was saying, such an enhancement for so many people, making it more available. And I, I think it's so brilliant. And Nicole was praying about it. She said, I feel like when you talk to Taylor about it, and man, was that a right move, you know? And um, I just love the heart, a heart to build, you know, because the Hoffman, if you, you've probably heard me say it several times, but this is, you know, don't go on social media, church isn't a building, it's, I am the church, you know, which isn't true, church is people, built together as living stones, um, so it is, but we are this, this body, this church, and uh, church is a building, but it's, it's, a, it's not a noun, it's a verb. It's something being built and established in the earth on this rock. I will build my church. And if the, the builder is God, then the laborers are not doing their work in vain. They're in partnership by his spirit with establishing something which is meant to rout hell out of the earth. The enemy is a defeated foe, but the very gates of hell, the inroads of that darkness, everything which came in through the fall are called to be destroyed. And not that we are called to erect gates, because if you look at the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, those gates are never shut. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not on defense ever from this, from this point onward. You know, The gates of heaven, the body of the church, they're open. It's the very gates of hell which we are actually destroying You know, that will not be able to hold us out. They are squatting on illegal territory in the earth. They are squatting as if it is theirs, but their gates, they will not be able to hold their ground. And this is the walk of faith that is true Christianity. And it's not even individualistic. It, there is individuals, but it's this many-membered body that is called to function in this way. This koinonia, this blood flow of 1 John 1, 7, of, of, of this, this life that reverses the effects of the fall in people that are the embodiment the living and walking advertisement, it calls them epistles, but you know, in our terms of advertisement of what heaven is about and what the reality of heaven is supposed to be. And heaven is called to be manifest in the earth through us. And that's why I love the concept of building. You know, many of you know the stories and I've been kind of periodically going through some of the stories, even some of the prophetic things that led to us starting the Hoff ever since we did the the story of Hoff several weeks ago because there were so many that I couldn't add them all in. But one of them, when I was told by the Lord to come here, when we were said, hey, we're going to go start something from the ground up and you're not going to advertise and you're going to do things this way and it's not going to be the religious machine. It's going to be, you know, birth of God and how this thing is going to work built on the foundation of the rock. Um, but one of the dreams that I had before I came <laughs> was that I was in a large building and I walked out onto the balcony and the thing started what I thought I was in an earthquake. 
it started to shake like this and kind of bow, like lean forward a little bit. And I was so afraid for a moment. But then when I realized some, there was a knowledge that came to me in this dream that the building was not um, necessarily materials. It was actually alive. The building itself that I was in was alive, like a transformer on, on a, you know, the cartoons I watched in the 80s. And now it's movies now, Shia LaBeouf, whatever. You know, but the thing was alive. And I realized it was alive and I realized that I wasn't going to fall out, that it was moving somewhere and it was moving here. And I was so terrified, to be honest, because I was so intimidated to go and start something like that. You know what I mean? But there was something of, of this, this concept that the Lord was starting to give me. Hey, the building itself is alive. And it's built of my body and many, many, many members who have a mentality like Nehemiah 4 to rise up and to actually build and establish and to contribute. And it's not necessarily a talking head or a one-man show and his vision and everyone serves it. It's, it's as it's written in chapters like Ephesians 4, you know, that the leadership of the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which are just titles, they're offices, but you know, I think we make such a big deal out of those, but in reality, those, they actually exist for the equipping of the saints, Ephesians 4.11, for the work of the ministry. It's like to like actually train and equip everyone to do this reality, to live this life of actually deconstructing and, and, and destroying the gates of hell and the earth, of living this life flow that actually makes moves in the world. And that points people like the artist, like the great art room that I shared of last week, to the, to, to the image of the Father, who He truly is, which means if that's your dad, then what does that say about you? Identity is always what it's been about, you know. Recovering the identity of God, the transformation that actually happens of 2 Corinthians 3.18, of actually knowing God ourselves. This true New Testament prophecy from the Old Testament Old Testament into this new covenant reality, uh, Jeremiah 31, like, you won't have to tell anybody how to know God. They will all know him. Yes. You know, this is Ezekiel 36, 26. Like, you will actually, his, you'll be cleansed, and also his spirit will be in you, and the heart of stone, which is the result of the poison of the fall, will be replaced with the heart of flesh. There's, it's a whole new religion, and it will be centered in knowing God. Joel 2, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old man dream dreams, young man see visions. Like this reality of like that, that which was designated only to prophets is going to be the reality of our religion. It always was meant to be. People walking with God in the spirit and manifesting that which is spiritual in heaven on the earth. A complete takeover of this place. And that's what it's called to be. And, um, but I, I love the mentality of somebody coming in and saying, hey, I want to, I can see this vision. I can see this picture. Even the way Taylor started off, I see the value of this place. It's different than anything I've ever been. But at the same time, I can also see something that's missing that could be very valuable. And I can help orchestrate that. And it's like, boom, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's run with it. This isn't, I don't own this place. You know what I mean? Me and Nicole, like, you know, we, we just work here. I say that all the time. Amen. I am your brother, not your dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm playing my position. And it's my position right now. You know? But we're all called to enhance the body that we're called to be a part of. You know? 
and many of you are called here, some, some of you might not, maybe visit, I don't, it, it doesn't even matter to me. It, um, what matters, I mean, people listen to this probably more than are here, you know, you know, hundreds every week. So it's like wherever you live in the United States, in the world, wherever, it's like you are definitely called to enhance and build within a body of believers wherever you're at. And that's a major aspect of seeking first the kingdom with all your heart, you know, and letting the chips fall where they may. In other words, and all these other things will be added to you that you need, right? Luke 12, 31. It's like this, this life that we're called to live of, of this building, of establishing something here on the earth in partnership with our Father. You know what I mean? The go-between, you know, the Jacob's ladder, the Jesus, the portal that's open, you know, all, all, these be- all this beautiful symbolism. And it not being a one-man show. I think even when, we, when you mention that verse of Ephesians 4, it's like, there's the, the debate, well, is there apostles and prophets? and event, Is those things alive today? Well, certainly, obviously, there are, but I think we make so much more of a big deal than that than the rest of that chapter, which is like they, they actually only exist for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry until everybody attain, attains to the fullness of the stature of Christ. <laughs> you know, that's what until we're all firing as Christians fully out of our minds. And I don't mean that in a crazy way, like we just act crazy all the time. We're fully unlimited by this carnal cap that we inherited from Adam. And we're, we're, we're in a completely different identity. We've lost our old identity and every association that we've had to, to Adam, right? And we've become like John who could not be killed. The apostle that associated himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. You know what I mean? Like that became his identity, the one so loved and covered by God yeah. that I was boiled in oil, in oil and came out not even burnt <laughs> or stinking like oil. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't kill me. They mailed me to Patmos and now I, then I went to heaven on a trip. Like how's that happen? Were you on mushrooms or something? Like no. But I saw Jesus and he had fireballs for eyes and he actually realized that he was actually God and the son of God but he was the priest and he was God at the same time. Oh my gosh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and he was God. Like oh man dude. This is our reality. You know what I mean? Losing our minds and stepping into this thing, which is called, we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. It's plural there, you know. And anyhow, I love it. I love it. Even, even some of the practical things of us stepping into this community. And I was thinking back through this stuff. Actually, even this morning, I had some other thoughts. And, uh, you know, that's always dangerous on the day you're supposed to preach a message. But, um, you know, it's just like I think of, and now Cliff notes, but like the book of Acts, when, you know, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and this reality, even what they were singing about today, this finished work has actually happened, but there's still people kind of sitting on their hands thinking like, all right, what do we do with this? Do we just huddle up and be Christians secretly? You know what I mean? And that was kind of the mentality a little bit. If you think about in the very beginning of Acts, angels showed up when Jesus floats off into the clouds, whatever that looks like, right? In Acts 1.9, they watched him taken up, and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, two men stand, stand next to them in white apparel and said, Men of Galilee, didn't he tell you to go somewhere to the upper room? Isn't there, didn't he give you some instructions? <laughs> right? They were so geeked out watching Jesus float off and, and just being, their minds being blown like, Whoa, this thing is real. He's been forecasting this the whole time. That a couple of angels had to show up and actually talk to them, and that, that even wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? They didn't turn around like, oh my gosh, and freak out and bow before them and all this stuff. They had to, it was like, knock, knock, like, hey, the, the veil's been torn. The reality has changed for you now. 
You're stepping into the real reality. It's time to go to this upper room he told you about. Like, you guys are right. Thanks for coming and talking to us, angels, Mr. Angels. You know what I mean? Like this reality started to grip the 12, but it wasn't supposed to be theirs alone. It was supposed to be everybody's. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody was called to have this mentality of like, wait, I'm a player in this game. Yeah. I'm a builder. I'm not here to, to fill a role or to be filled. I'm here to build and establish. I'm a son as well. I'm a daughter as well. You know? And um, there's, there's a difference in being a builder in the Lord's house, seeing not with criticism, but seeing where there maybe is a hole or maybe where there is a need and being like, they don't even have nobody greeting at that church. Call that a church? That ain't the right way to do it. Nobody even said hello to me on the way out. Instead of thinking like, hey, there's something I realized was missing. I can add that to that church because I feel called to be there. It's a different mentality, isn't it? None of us are like the first one, good thing. But some people are, are literally in the church world in order to get their needs met. And there is a place in getting your needs met. You know, and there is a place of being fed or like entering into worship or growing. I mean, I think you should. I think you join a, you know, if you want to join a karate gym, you want, to, you want some brown belts and black belts around so you actually learn. You don't want to step in on the first day and be whipping everybody. You know what I mean? Like, well, these guys don't even know what they're doing, you know? At least they got good childcare or whatever, you know? I know my analogies aren't working today. I can feel them, but not working, but it's all right because I have something to say, you know? Uh, you know, but, but anyhow, uh, being a filter and being a builder and actually not sitting on the power and the authority that we have. And I love one of the first things that happens in the book of Acts is the disciples or the apostles, as they were called, were starting to do this miraculous stuff on a regular basis. And finally, the religious machine and the system of the world. So you've got Rome and you've got the Jews and they're, all, they're in cahoots to shutting everything else down. Um, but they have Peter arrested. But it doesn't go very well because this is one of the breakouts and I feel like it's a breakout in the mentality that's happening in the church world worldwide, but I think it's called to happen in this city through us. Like, wait a second, this is different. On Acts 5, it's like Peter gets arrested, right? Things have been growing, things have been happening, people have been getting healed, some people have been dying, uh, that's explainable. Uh, but there's all this other stuff. The high priest's religion itself rose, r raises up and, and, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them into, it says in Acts 5.18, the common prison. And that there's no escaping the, the, the practical analogy of what that symbolizes. It's just like they had stepped into something so real and so heavenly and so supernatural and the religious boss, empowered by the Roman system, same thing, you know, um, literally had, had these guys arrested. But it says that at night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Can you imagine this? The disciples, some of the apostles, they're getting arrested, thrown in jail in order to shut them down and to make them be quiet. Like, it's okay for you to practice your Judaism, but this Judaism 2.0, the Messiah has already come, and now there's this supernatural swirl, the, the, the veil is torn, and oh, we can all just come boldly before God, and, and like, all the, 
all the prophetic symbolism of the tabernacle, which was only for the priests to ever even see the, the tree of life sewn into the fabric of the walls and the angels and the mysticism, this reality of this walk was all always prophesied. It was all just a shadow of this reality to come for us to step into. And you're coming and acting like that's real and we need to shut you down. And what they did completely backfired. Because then one of those angels, and not, not an artistic painting or sewed, sewn on a wall, literally shows up and says, all right, boys, it's time to leave the jail at night. It's like, well, <laughs> how can we, can we do that? Can you just leave? Did they take their fingerprints? You know, they're going to track us down. Like, how, how's this going to happen? Actually, go, go to the temple and start speaking right now. And what, tell them what? Jesus died for your sins and da, da, da. No. Yes, there's that. But what was he said to tell them? Tell them everything about this life. Tell them all the words of this life. Tell them what happened to you last night. It was meant to be something that was a shockwave to everybody's mind. Amen. It was meant, hey, tell them how real this thing is. The enemy's overplayed his hand. I'm spitting a little bit, I just noticed that. <laughs> the enemy's over, sorry. The enemy's overplayed his hand, right? You know what I mean? And now it's gonna it's gonna backfire because this thing's gonna become even more profoundly spiritual, mystical, and real. And it's gonna have the exact opposite effect that they tried to do. So, you know. You can read Acts 5. Uh, obviously, it was a major backfire. So people come and tell the high priest, hey, by the way, the people you had arrested, <laughs> they're standing in the temple right now preaching. It's just like, whoa, they're like down at the, the court. They're, they're down at the mega church that says this stuff isn't real. They're actually there while you're not there with a crowd talking about this life, their life, you know. So you know what they do. They, they brought them in and, and threatened them and, and they did all these things and, and uh, they actually beat them. They actually roughed them up and beat them up and that's what's weird about Acts chapter 5 is on the way out of being beaten, they're all laughing about it and rejoicing going down the road, which just makes these guys seem so crazy. You know what I mean? But they're just, they're just realizing like, oh my gosh, this is real. And they knew it was because they watched them float up in the air and the angels were talking to them. But now it was just like one of those things like, hey, we always win. Yeah. Before they're writing things like all things work for the good. You know what I'm saying? For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, before they're even writing that kind of stuff down, and that wasn't even one of them. That was somebody that still wanted to kill them at the time, which is just weird. But before they're even talking this way, they're like... <laughs> They're bleeding out of the lip and just like, yeah, dude, that's got to be worth some something in heaven as well. Like, yeah, it is. You know what I mean? You know, I don't, you know, who thinks this way? We're called to. But they realize like, hey, this thing is cracking, y'all. The machine is cracking. It's breaking. But the strategy was go tell the people about this life. It wasn't like you guys are these awesome people that can't even be jailed. It's like, go tell everybody about this. You know what I mean? The greatness of this reality. I love that. Here's a little verse that I like in Matthew 20. Jesus talking to his disciples. This is in red, right? He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great, they exercise authority over people. In other words, you understand that in this world and in this realm, this fallen realm, leadership really is just dominance over other people. It's not really relationship, which is a real contrast to the Ephesians 5 or what people call the fivefold ministry. It's not a dominance with the hand over, 
the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that is, a, that is a hand under. It is an ushering up. It is bringing people up. It is actually bringing people in. It's not keeping people out. It's bringing people in. It's a different mentality. It's a build mentality. It's not like a be over mentality and build your own kingdom. He's like, you know, that's how it works here, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for, as a ransom for many. It's like, hey, look, I didn't even come to be served. This is God in the flesh. And he's talking about this, this model, if you will, this path of growth, maturity, and expansion that we all want. We all want to mature and grow in the Lord, in our calling and our purpose and destiny, in authority to manifest heaven on the earth. And here's a key to it. This isn't a one-man show. It's go tell the people the words of this life. And remembering what Jesus said, hey, you want to grow, you want to thrive? It's like open your heart to serve. It, it, to me, it's really a good contrast to when we look at the things that are like, am I building or am I filling? You know what I mean? Am I looking for position in order to have status with people? Am I looking for a role so that I can have control? You know what I mean? Or be seen? Or is it filling something in me that makes me feel established? Or am I a team player? And I'm wanting to build or establish something as a, as a team. It's just like in sports, man. I played you know, basketball my whole life. High school, college, all of it. You know? And there's one thing you can tell. There's some players who would rather be the leading scorer on a mediocre team than the second or third guy on a championship level squad or a victorious team. And in the church game, it's not supposed to be this way. It's about team. But also, the way we view scoring is, is, is fully out of a skewed fallen lens. Because he's like the son of man, which is the God man of Daniel 7. You know, it's God in the flesh did not come to actually be served. The one like a son of man of the two Godheads, the Jewish believed, now they will not say this because of Trinitarianism, but the, the Godheads of Daniel 7, the one like a son of man approaching the Ancient of Days, them coming together as this, in this one uh, picture. He didn't actually come to be served. You mean the guy riding on clouds? You know what I mean? That is a complete affront to the Baals, the one that's the true God. He, he's manifested on the earth, and yeah, and, and he's actually come to serve. And he's like washing these guys' feet and stuff at the end. <laughs> so It's like it's a different game. It's a completely different role. And the disciples became hit to this reality, but they were still having to grow in it little by little. But through the Spirit of God and through this walk, they were coming into this reality of like, go teach the words of this life. It was like, hey, this isn't just for us, it's for everyone. Yeah. This whole thing is different. And there's a building and a mentality of this, what it means to be a son and daughter walking by the Spirit of God and searching for what you have to add to his body or to the world as a servant instead of looking for who can be your next in ministry it's the grossest thing because it's like who can who will be a good networker who can network for me who can i recruit that will really promote my deal you know what i'm saying that's kind of how the game is played but but it's like there's an opposite mentality just like jesus demonstrated picking these have not 
crew, this 12, one of them was rotten. <laughs> you know what I mean, Judas? You know what I mean? But giving even him a chance and just, there's this different mentality we're called to walk in and it's a, and it's a change of vision. See, in Acts chapter, um, let me see here real quick. In Acts, yeah, we're good. Chap, chapter six, and I have taught this so many times when I was younger, especially, um, when the disciples were multiplying, there, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists the, um, because their widows were being neglected in the daily contribution. So the 12, the leaders of the whole church, summoned the multitude, the disciples said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve these tables. And that word desirable, it's like, it's not, a, it's not the right fit for us right now. Therefore, seek out from among you seven of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll appoint them to do this business, right? And so this is the story of, of the, the chosen seven. And we think like, wow, these guys are heroes in our book. But also remember what they're being picked to do. Drop food off at widows' houses. And I don't know if this is a seven-day gig, and, 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 it, and, it, and it might not have even been that huge of a deal. It's just like, but they were, hey, it's not right for us to do this. It's like, hey, we can, we can play all the positions, right? But it's not right for us to play in this position right now because of what we're doing. For one thing, these guys hadn't even, you know, these guys were studying in the depth of the Torah in the Old Testament, all the prophets. Like they weren't, these weren't a bunch of rabbis. They had trained with Jesus, but they were still sinking their roots deep into that stuff. You know, they were constantly speaking and ministering and overseeing the church. And I'll tell you, even as a young believer and minister, when I would teach this message, I would think like, oh yeah, their britches got too big, and so they didn't want to really serve. That was my mentality back then. Um, but I think that was the wrong mentality. You know, I think it was just like, hey, it's not right for the for you know the guy with the microphone or whoever to feel like they play, they can play every position, so they should. Does that make sense? Do I need another cool analogy to go with that? No, not really. Yeah. So when I was in T-ball as a kid. <laughs> Sometimes they'd hit the ball to me at shortstop and I would run the guy out at first base. I would run over there and tag him because I could. But it was like, Daniel, throw the ball to the first baseman because now he's not getting involved in the play just because you can make the play because some five-year-old that doesn't even know where he's at hit the ball to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Way to go, you know. You catch what I'm throwing? There's something about allowing the team to play their positions that causes growth and advancement. Go tell, go tell the people about this life. You're not a spiritual guru with all your prophetic things, guys, but show them what happens. But it's for them as well, not just for you guys, right? And so anyhow, that's, that's what's happening here. And it's, it's interesting because they picked these seven people. And in verse 7, it says, The word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's a groundbreaking verse in our Bible because many of the, the priesthood, the Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. They became believers like, oh man, that was him. <laughs> we condemned him to death and hated him. And a great number of them were converted, which is so beautiful. But it's not, it's not because of the gate of beautiful the paralytic guy that Peter and John had healed a few chapters back. It's not because Ananias and Sapphira, you know what I mean? It's not, because, it's not even because of the jailbreak. The Bible makes it seem like it had something to do with these seven people that were doing something that most of 
people probably saw as something that didn't really matter all that much. You know what I mean? But the reality was they were stepping into the nature, the service nature of God. And I don't even know that it was a full-time gig because you pick seven people and they're seven days a week. It might have just been, hey, one day you need, to, you need to run the route. One day you need to run the route. It might not even been their full thing. Well, I'm not called to do that. Any of them could have said that. But it's like none of them had that harder mentality. And instantly you have the story of two of them. For one, the priests being converted, being associated with that somehow. But you got Philip and Stephen becoming like world, international, global, not globally, universally famous for all time because of what they stepped into right after delivering food to some widows. You know, and I thought, man, like there's something of everybody coming into a mentality of building, but I don't feel myself called to do that. They, any of them, could, but I feel I'm called to speak. I, I see myself speaking in front of thousands someday and miracles happening and all these things. They could have had that mentality, but the reality was that there wasn't a five-year plan like, yo, Peter, just let me get the mic. Let me get the mic. It's, it wasn't about that because this guy, Philip, he actually travels down to a city of Samaria in the next chapter and well, two chapters from now and he actually starts preaching Christ is what it says in Acts chapter 8 and it's like wait a second I thought the disciples couldn't leave what they were doing because they were busy with the word of God which denoted studying praying and actually ministering and speaking the word of God and it's true but all this stuff started happening Persecution started happening because of what Stephen did, and we'll get to that. But it's like Philip goes down to the city of Samaria, and it says, The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by him, hearing what he was saying and seeing the miracles which he did. And it's just like, wait, is this one of the twelve? This is Philip one of the twelve, right? It's like, no, it wasn't. This is Philip the one, you know, this is Wednesday Philip. They called him Wednesday Philip because that's the day he took the, you know, that's a joke, right? But it, they, he was taking the, you know, he was nobody. And now he's starting a full-blown revival in a Samaritan city. And it says like he's, he's orating like this professional speaker, probably fellow, fairly young fellow, and he's got miracles popping off that nobody can deny. Not only that, there was a guy in Samaria named Simon the Sorcerer who claimed to be somebody great, but he was like this, this leader, this, this, I don't know if he was like a Tony Robbins or what, but he was just like this cultic follower of this spiritual leader and that's not, a, I'm not saying Tony Robbins isn't witchcraft or whatever. I'm just saying he's just a big leader. Maybe he's big like him. I don't know. But anyway, so they, he's even turning from his sorcery and saying like, whoa, it's like Philip's doing this heavy duty thing and, and they have to call the, the apostles in to what he's actually, he started something. And it's this brilliant story about this guy who started something amazing and then the, then the apostles actually come in and they're laying hands on people. And this is a Samaritan say This isn't Jewish people, you know what I mean? And this is like what they considered as half-breeds, real racist people back then, was even within the church. And, but what happened is just like, oh, oh, they're not judged. Oh, they're not. They are like us. They are our brothers and sisters. How about that? You know what I mean? And this thing is starting to shake because of some waiter. Went down there and started running his mouth, you know, because he had it in him. Because he was living this true life and he was, and he was building where he was at. And he had the authority and power. And I think it's, it's lovely because he didn't, it doesn't say that he stayed there and become the bishop of there right then and became this big leader, which I, I think he became a pretty good leader. But um, in that, like, he literally starts from there, he actually starts going down and traveling some more. 
and uh, it says an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to the guy. You know, this isn't one of the 12. This is somebody stepping into the basic reality of what Christianity is. He starts to have a relationship with God, an angelic connection visitation. Like this is part of Christianity, especially if you read the actual Christian Bible. It's in there a lot and live the Christian walk. You'd be surprised. Maybe not. So he tells them where to go. Hey, go down to the road, which goes down from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Gaza. I want you to hit the road. And he's like, all right, that's my next spot. And he could have been in his heart. Dude, I'm kind of famous here. I started this whole thing. There's finally a place for me. It's filling me. It's fulfilled. But it's like, hey, we're on the next move. And he wasn't that way because he was building. He wasn't being filled. And so he got, he's like, all right, so we're leaving this. Like, are you sure I could be a really big deal around here? It's like, no, now, now it's time to go this way. You know, he literally goes down and it says the spirit said to Philip. So you have the angel talking to him. Then you have the Holy Spirit within him saying, hey, go over and take this chariot that's actually coming away from Jerusalem. And he goes, and some of you know the story. You can actually read this in Acts 8 if you'd like. And he actually hears a guy reading the book of Isaiah out loud. And it's an Ethiopian eunuch, and, and he's over the treasury of um, this, this queen named Candace of Ethiopia. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge thing. And um, he, he comes up and he's like, hey, you understand what you're reading? Like he came in earshot of this guy that happened. He's like, well, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to him. And he was reading this portion of the crucifixion that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah about Jesus being led as the lamb to slaughter and all this. It's just brilliant. And so he explains, it says he, he, he taught him about Jesus from that verse on, right? I mean, talk about being just, just lofting up. What was it? Just throwing it by the rim. Here you go, buddy. Why? Because he was following the Lord. Paul, well, Saul during this time. But, you know, what did he end up saying? Like, those who are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the wheels of God. These are the mature of God. And all of creation is groaning and longing for the release of these in the earth. That's Romans 8. So here's somebody literally led of that spirit and not by his own ego or by agenda, but the heart to build this service mentality. And we know it because that's how he even got into the game. That's how he met, met this guy. Service and widows. Yeah. So here he goes. The Ethiopian's like, well, what, what keeps me from being baptized? There's some water right there. I mean, just, just lay it up to the guy. He's like, all right, well, well, only if you truly believe. And he agreed. So he baptizes him. And in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit caught Philip away. And they didn't see him again until he was in Azotus, which is like 35 to 55 miles away. You know, how about that? How about the Ethiopian eunuch going to... Going to they're going through Jewish customs, you know. They have a grid of Yahweh, not the full grid. And Philip's at the right place in the right time, baptizes the guy, and vanishes in front of him. There's a couple commentaries that will try to make that seem that that's not supernatural. But there's a whole lot that don't, you know. But that, because that's what that is. He got caught away in front of him. He vanished in front of him because that's actually the wording Amen. in the Greek. Um, and, and even what the, the, the Aramaic of uh, the passion probably does the same thing. You know, say, um, uh, you, you know, but this, re, this spiritual reality. And so it says he goes on his way rejoicing, the Ethiopian eunuch. 
You know what I'm saying? So there goes the gospel into Africa firsthand. Boom. It's like I didn't need to, he didn't need to go and sit with a tribe and demonstrate something. He just needed to show up and God was already working on somebody. Imagine that. Imagine that if that is our reality in the spirit walk. We take this thought of like, we've got to do this stuff. We've got to fully walk everybody through it. And we've got to spoon feed them. Open your mouth. Let me put it in your mouth so you make sure you're eating it. You know what I mean? It's like, but in reality, what if, what if it's God that's drawing all men to himself? Because he has been lifted up to the earth. And the words of life uh, and, and, and the obedience of this walk, of this service walk, you know, it wasn't like, all right, and go tell Queen Candace that you're done with her. You're going to be with us now. We're recruiting you to our church. It's just like, it, it's just like none of that gross string attached, nothing. It was just like, all right, now I'm in Azotus. You know, what are we doing now, Lord? And his story continues. But it's like this mentality, this heart of service changed the entire game of everywhere. And, um, it's not like me. It's not like me. But I think I might stop there. Um, yeah, there's a lot more. Okay, okay, we can do that. There's something to this reality. There's something to this simple mindset. That, and, and we can maybe, maybe in the future, we can continue to kind of go into some of this reality of what the church is. That church literally exists as the endorsement of a higher reality. It's not a club. It's not. And it's not a place where we build in order to be safe from Babylon, from the world. Because they had that. They built that in Babylon. You know what I mean? Nebuchadnezzar, they took all the goods of the house of the Lord and they, they built them a nice little temple and everything and let their priesthood run through it there and it was a complete mock uh mock up and it was a complete we try to do it just exactly so you guys can come and serve us serve our world system but still feel like you're in yours and that is not at all what the church is supposed to be it's the gates of hell don't prevail against us it is an empowerment it's like even when there's a trespass and they step over their bounds it's a breakout and it's not even for us. It's like, all right, go and thank you so much for breaking us out. Like, yeah, that's cool. It was kind of for you, but it, it was also for them. So go tell them about the words of this life. This thing is real. Han Solo. It's real. It's all real. You know what I mean? The whole thing. The reality of this um, service and function mentality that actually causes growth. We see these guys, and we only got to one of them today. But this guy who was who could have easily been overlooked, but one of these air quotes seven. And it's and it's not symbolic. It's like these seven that actually represented the fullness of the spirit of God, what it means to walk the wheels, the mature sons that follow the spirit of Romans eight, like this Isaiah 11 prophecy of what the spirit would be on the branch of Jesse, the wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord and the very spirit of the Lord. These seven, the personhood of God. You know what I'm saying? This reality, this fullness that we're supposed to walk in by actually seeing like him and seeking to build not our own kingdom, but the, but the, but the, re, the kingdom of our family. It's the family business. Seeing through this mentality of like, okay, I can be a builder and I can see what will advance my team or I can be a filler and I can finally have a position that makes me feel fulfilled. And it's a contrast. 
and it's basic Christianity. I think last week we were really talking about coming into our um, identity, right? I mean, we kind of talk about that all the time. But we used the Psalm 139 and the art and, and, and the, rea- the reality of not letting the, the, the experiences within the fallen world shape us or cause us to shape or morph ourselves into something to get our needs met. But often there's a trap uh, trying to establish our identity by doing things rather than being. And I think Stephen, Philip, the seven, they could have all said, well, that's not, that's not my role. That's not who I see myself as. And it's like, yo, it's not what you do is who you, who you be. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. but you know what I mean? What you're doing is not, does not dictate who you are. Well, I want to be one of the, well, they call them the first deacons. Well, okay, good. We got a, we got a cool religious title. At least I'll feel good about that. Like, we're so geared that way. You know what I mean? But in reality, it, it, it's like who we are is the image of God in the earth. And what we do is we image God. And it's not restricted to the, to the place of service that we find ourselves in or the role or the title that we have on ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Okay, even John, you know, I mean, he was one of the 12, but he was actually one of the three. You know what I mean? He could have been like, well, I'm actually better than a few of those, about nine of them boys. Definitely Judas. (laughs) You know what I mean? We could have this mentality that we have, and it's silly, but growth and expansion came to the church. And I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm doing it, you know? The priesthood got saved. The priesthood came into Christianity after this. We're going to have to do that at some point. Please let me do that. Uh, You know, I think we will. But it's like the, the priesthood, the religious machine started getting, getting converted into this reality. And this is what we're here for. This is what those life groups are about. This is what the koinonia is about. Unlocking not only ourselves, but even the machine itself. The religious machine. The common prison, as it said. They put them in the common prison. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's too wild and crazy, but you can be in this. You can be in this. We're going to plant your church temple in Babylon and let you play your game in there as long as you abide by our rules and stay within our boundaries. That is prison. It is the common prison. The prison of the common. Common. We never expect anything out of the ordinary when it's just like, yo, our inheritance is is to live something completely out of the ordinary. Completely and totally out of the ordinary. And not only that, to evidence the unseen realm into other people's lives. To evidence ourselves, all, but all the gifts of the Spirit, all the power of God, the love of God, all of it is to actually evidence something unseen. They became people who were, who were showing off that, hey, this world's plastic, by the way. None of this is nearly as real as where we're from and where we're going. We were actually created by Him in His image. And we are His imagers, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to abide in Him and grow in Him. And in that walk of growth, we find our place and our function, which ends up being a purpose, which he designed before time and space, which that in itself is brilliant. Is, does it not mean that there is a role or there is a position or there is a function for you, which is the very fabric of your DNA that he sewed inside of your mother's womb, Psalm 139, right? Destined you for, yes. But the path to that, the path for Philip anyways, to being translated in the spirit, to affecting, I'm called to the nations. You hear stuff like that. Like, Philip, on that road, 
to, to Azotus was, was, was to Gaza, was, was called to the nations, but he did it by, by walking with God and connecting to somebody who broke open the gospel to Ethiopia. A lot of people believe the Ark of the Covenant is there now. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it could, that's kind of cool if it is, but it doesn't matter. We, the Ark of the, is Jesus himself, unless you're a Rastafarian, which this is not a Rastafarian church. But I love their music, probably more than church music, to be honest. But don't tell anybody that I said that. Um, maybe we can delete that from the... Um, um, yeah. Often in the culture of churchianity, we find ourselves looking for where we fit in in order to be filled rather than simply looking to be who he has created us to be and to function in whatever capacity he has for us in that season or stage of growth that we find ourselves walking in him. But that right there is the key to stepping into the fullness of our purpose and destiny. Just is. Son of man didn't come to be served. He came as the greatest servant. And he is, he's the victorious king. Every time in the Bible that people were established and free to function, the more that they were, the more things shook in the world. This is a good example of it. You know, Jesus, when he said, remember when he sent out the 70, they, this first there's a 12, then he opened it up to 70, Luke 10, Luke 9 and 10. And when they got back, he rejoiced. That's when we see Jesus dance around screaming and yelling like he's at a college football game or something, like a Tennessee game, you know, something like that. But he's going crazy. Why? Because people started to function. And they're like, the demon submitted to us. He's like, yeah, that's cool, but like, don't even rejoice about that. I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. And he wasn't talking about the ancient fall, I don't believe. I think he was talking about something displaced in their region. Something you guys have done and released has, has shifted the spiritual atmosphere of the principalities and powers that were governing this place. And boy, this thing is setting off. And nobody knows who the Son is except for the Father. No one knows who the Father is except for the Son. He starts saying all these weird things about his identity. But we see now it's all completely rooted in that reality. And that's what it is for us. Knowing him. Living him. Walking in him. Serving one another. Functioning. All right. I think that's where we'll stop. The point. The heart of service is the heart of the king. It is the humility of heaven. And it is the path to expansion. It is the path to growth. It was, the, it was in then and it was now. Not only just in the church or the body or in Christianity as a whole, which it will be, but it was also in the individuals that actually chose to take the mantle up. Everyone's like, I want to catch the mantle of the prophet. You know what I mean? They took the mantle of the servant, which was a towel to wash people's feet with. And they took that heart, and then the people couldn't withstand the wisdom and the power that they moved in because of it. It's a missing link. So Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your church and your body. I thank you for, for the many members and the distinct creative destinies and purpose that, that represent everybody here individually and everybody that's even listening to this this brilliance that you've called each person into each one of your artistic creations that is your family and lord i thank you for the wisdom of heaven that we actually grow and we thrive by releasing 
You know, we are filled as we release, just like you and the woman at the well. Like out of our innermost flows the river of life itself. We're not trying to get to heaven to drink out of that. We are knowing you. You are in us, the tree of life, and you are flowing out of us, Lord. Then I ask that, that this reality, the reality of your truth and the finished work of what you've accomplished and where we now sit above all authority and principality and power and the flow of your life that flows through us, that this mentality of Adam, of seeking to be filled, is reversed in us all, that our eyes would be open to see what the hope is in the calling of the saints, the, ble- like the beauty of all those who you've called, and that we are even called to help unlock. And as looking like that, in that way, that we ourselves are unlocked more and more into the imagers of who you truly are, Lord. I thank you for the, all these ways we talk about the way you speak throughout the Bible, the dreams and the visions, as you said, of the new covenant, the the trances that the, that the disciples and apostles were stepping into, you know, Philip, the angelic visitations, the, your spirit speaking to him. Oh, that we, Lord, would step into every bit of the communication of God in our lives, that we would be vessels that are constantly in fellowship with you, not seeking for you to speak into us, but seeking for you to speak through us even a lot of times and be the vessels that you've called us to be. That in this place and in this town, the gates of hell, they would not be able to prevail. They wouldn't be able to stay. And if there's, if there's things squatting on land that belongs to you, that's rightfully yours, that you would direct us to the next place, you know, however that works, Lord. Let us have the mentality of offense, not defense.